0: Um, so, so I, we are working through stories that shape us. This is a, our, our Lenten series, and what we're doing is we're looking at parables, the parables of Jesus. Parables are stories that Jesus shared to help contrast God's kingdom and our earthly kingdom and to help shape us into the people we were created and called to be. And so we're looking at those stories. Just this week, uh, we had a few days. And so Megan and I decided we were gonna head out of town and we were gonna go down to South Carolina and we were gonna see just where we had lived. It had been a while since we had been there and the family hadn't been there in a while. So we just decided we were gonna pack up and, and head down. And we went down and it was beautiful there. I mean, we were on the beach. We went from like one day shoveling a bunch of snow and being freezing to like less than a week later, standing on the beach, walking in water. It was, it was awesome. And then we come back and it was like 60 here. It was, it was excellent, and so, but one of the things that you need to know about me, and, and I get this from my dad, is that when I go places where I used to live, I get made fun of for this, by the way. When I go places that I used to live, I always like to point out the different things, the different places, the different things that kind of shaped me. And so we took the kids down to South Carolina and we're driving around. We're looking at our old house, the church that I worked at and that we went to, all of these different places. And and we're just telling the kids these stories of these places and and what happened here. And, And that's, you know, the idea, we all have things, places, people stories that shape us into who we are. The parables are Jesus' way of shaping us to be his disciples, to be who we're supposed to be. And so this week we're going to look at the parable of the persistent widow. This is Luke chapter 18, it's verse 1 through 8. And this parable is one that just at first glance could be very easily misunderstood And so I'm looking forward to kind of walking through it with you and helping you see how this shapes us into who God created and wants us to be. So let's read it together, starting in verse 1, chapter 18 of Luke. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God "'Nor cared what people thought. "'And there was a widow in that town "'who kept coming to him with the plea, "'Grant me justice against my adversary.' "'For some time he refused. "'But finally he said to himself, "'Even though I do not fear God "'or care what, pe- what people think, "'yet because this widow keeps bothering me, "'I will see that she gets justice.' so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Verse 6, the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So this is a great story. This is one of my favorite parables just because I think it's really funny. I mean, this is a funny story. We've got this judge who is absolutely everything that a judge should not be. He doesn't care about any higher authority. He doesn't care about people. That's a pretty bad combination for a judge. And we've got this widow who's been wronged and she is coming before the judge and trying to get justice, and the judge is not having it, but eventually, he just gets so tired, so bothered by her, that he can't help it. He's gotta do this, he's gotta give her justice to get her off his case. This is one of my favorite parables. It's also one of Megan's favorite parables. You know why? Because she's thinking, hey, if I just keep telling him to go to the doctor, if I keep telling him to do this, Maybe eventually he'll, he'll do it. And, and it's my kid's favorite. We just went to South Carolina the whole trip. I'm hearing the same thing over and over. We had a bag of gummy bears, Haribo, the best kind. We had some discussion about this recently. Haribo, the best kind of gummy bears. We had this big bag. And every five minutes, every 10 minutes, I would hear the same question Can I have some gummy bears? No, you can't have gummy bears. But I'm hungry. I need some gummy bears. No, you can't have gummy bears. We're going to eat lunch in an hour. You just ate something. You don't need gummy bears. But but please, I'm hungry. I need some gummy bears. And it's as if my kids have read this parable and they think that by just bugging me, I'm going to give in and I'm going to give them gummy bears. It didn't work. That doesn't work. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it works. But, but this parable is a story of this persistent widow. She, she has to get justice. Her only route to justice is to come to this judge over and over again, and eventually she gets it because she was persistent. Right at the outset, we're given the meaning, the takeaway from this parable, the first line. I told you it can be easily misunderstood, but the very first line tells us what we need to walk away from this parable with. It says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. So, simple as that. You should always pray. You should never give up. That's the Take away from this parable, if you walk out of here with what was this, what was God's word telling me today, it was telling you that it, you should always pray, you should never give up. You should have faith and trust in God enough that you continually come to God every day in prayer. Always pray, never give up. So that is the what. I could just say, go home, we're good, but I think we need to look a little bit deeper into this parable because we have the what. The what is you should always pray, you should never give up. Now we need to look at the why. That's where this parable can get kind of tricky is the why. See, when we first read this, I mean in your head if you haven't really deeply studied this text in fact we had a discussion with the staff and if you this week and if you if we haven't deeply studied this text it can seem like what this is telling us is that we should always pray and never give up because if we always pray and never give up we can bother God into giving us justice what we want what we need That is not what this is saying. That's not how it works. We don't bother God into giving us justice. That, it seems so weird when we read this. At face value, that's what it seems like it says, but that's not what it's saying. So the what is always pray, never give up. Now let's figure out the why. We're gonna start by looking at the characters. There's two characters in this story. I told you last week that that in all the parables, there's a contrast between two things. Sometimes it's God's kingdom. Sometimes it's our kingdom. Sometimes it's one person, another person. Last week, it was the Pharisee and the tax collector, and we looked at the contrast between the two. Let's start with the widow. What do we know about the widow? I have always thought and, and this could be true, but I have always thought that the reason Jesus put a widow in this story is because Jesus wanted to give an example of somebody who was powerless, who did not have a lot of power or authority. I always thought that, that that's what this was about, that the, that the widow just had no, no way to get help and nobody to fight for her. And so I thought that's what the significance was, and it, it very well may be part of it. But there's something really cool I want us to see about the widow in a second. First off, what do we know about the widow? Number one, we do know that the widow is not powerful enough in her own name and her own authority to get what she wants. She cannot get it. She does not hold enough importance or esteem to get the judge to give her what she wants. That's not how... It's not like she's one of those people that walks into the courtroom or the place of judgment and, and the judge is, whoa, I, I gotta take care of this one. That's, that's not what's happening here. The widow is powerless to get what she wants or what she needs. The second thing we know is that she is completely at the mercy of this judge. The only way she's gonna get justice in this story is by getting it from the judge. So she's powerless and we're gonna get to the judge in a minute. The only way she's gonna get justice is from this judge. The third thing we know is that she is persistent. She comes again and again and again. She's gonna get justice. She doesn't care how many times she has to come to the judge, she is gonna get justice. Those are the three things we know about the widow. This is what I need us to understand about the widow today. This is who we are in the story. We are to put ourselves in the place of this widow. We are powerless to get the justice that we we have coming. We cannot, in our own power, in our own name, in our own authority, we cannot get justice. Secondly, secondly, We are completely at the mercy of the judge, not this unjust judge, but of God in judgment. We are powerless and we are completely at the mercy of the judge. And the third thing is what we saw right in the first verse. We are to be persistent in prayer, to never give up. To always pray. So that's the widow. That's who we are in the story. But I told you there's always a comparison. The comparison in this parable is not between the widow and the judge. We are not to look at those two side by side and compare them. The comparison we're looking at is the judge and God. That's what we're supposed to be looking at here. The difference between the judge and and our God, so let's look at who the judge is. What do we know about the judge? He was a real good one, right? He neither feared God, nor cared what people thought. So number one, he did not fear God. He did not answer to a higher authority. He did not care about God. He did not fear God. He did not believe in God. He wasn't worried about God at all. Number two, he didn't care for people. So this judge, I mean, this widow's coming before the judge. She doesn't have power. She doesn't have authority or standing. And it says that this judge does not care about God or people, the third thing we know about the judge is this. He only grants justice because he is bothered and annoyed. He doesn't have a change of heart. He doesn't all of a sudden say, oh, wait a minute, I should grant justice because it's the right thing to do. No, he doesn't say all of a sudden, oh, wait, I really like this lady. I'm going to give her justice. The only reason he gives justice is is because he's annoyed, he's bothered, he's scared. He just wants this woman off his back. So that's what we know about the judge. Why is this important? Because we're supposed to look at the judge compared to God. I think it's interesting that it tells us in this story that the judge does not fear God and does not love people. I think what's happening in those words is that it's setting up the comparison between who the judge is and who our God is. So, So the connotation is here is that because the judge does not fear God, because the judge does not answer to a higher authority, he doesn't care about justice. Think about what that's saying there. If he doesn't fear God... And doesn't care about justice, that tells us something, right? The second thing, he doesn't care about people. He had no motivation to help anyone, especially this woman. And so that's who the judge is. And then we see the comparison unfold in verse 6. It says, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And then in verse 7, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. So let's make the comparison. Number one, the judge does not care what God thinks, does not care about God, so he does not care about justice. What does that tell us about God? God is just, God cares about justice. If he cared what God thought, he would give justice because he cared. But God is a God of justice. The judge doesn't care about God, doesn't care about justice. So the first comparison we see is that he is unjust. Our God is just. Number two, we see that the judge does not care about people. He definitely doesn't care about this widow, The difference between the judge and our God is that our God loves his people. Our God loves his people. In fact, this is, I mentioned this earlier, the widow. I don't know if this is why the widow was used in the story by Jesus, but think about what's taught over and over again in Scripture. Who should we care about? Who should we take care of? Who does God care specially for? the widows, and the orphans. So we've got a judge who doesn't care about anyone, especially this widow, and we've got a God who loves everyone, especially this widow. Do you see the difference here? Unjust judge, doesn't care, a God who loves justice and loves his people, especially this widow. And so we see the comparison And if this judge is willing to grant justice, how much more can we trust today that God will give us, his people, justice? Let me say that again, the comparison between the judge and God, if the judge, the rotten judge who didn't care about a higher authority, didn't care about justice, didn't care about people, if he was willing to give justice, how much more can we trust today that our God that is just, that loves us, will give justice? So back to the praying. Why do we continually pray and never give up? Is it because we need to convince the God of justice, the God of love? Is it because we need to convince God through our persistence to give us the justice? Absolutely not. God is already a God of justice and God loves us. God does not need convinced that we need justice. In fact, look at Look at what we see in scripture. These are just four promises and I could probably name a hundred. Listen to these four scriptures. Psalm 37, 27 to 29. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever for the Lord loves justice He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. Isaiah 30. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up and show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Hebrews 10, 35 to 36, so do not throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you hear those four scriptures? Do you hear what the scripture says to us over and over again? It says there that God wants to give us justice. God wants. God will. God is is faithful does this sound like a god that needs to be convinced that needs to be nagged for justice so we don't pray so that god will be faithful we pray because God is faithful. Let me say that again, that's important. We do not pray so that we can convince God to be faithful. God is already faithful. We pray because our God is faithful. So let's talk about what that looks like. What, let me ask you a question. What is the alternative when you have been, when you have suffered injustice, when you are struggling, when you're going through something, what's the alternative to Prayer. The alternative, there's two things I can think of. Number one is I try to handle it myself, my own way. So I mentioned last week in the sermon that I had a lot of money stolen from me. Someone hacked in one of my accounts, someone stole thousands of dollars, and all week I was walking around and I was thinking I was really tough And I was trying to get a hold of people and I couldn't get a hold of anyone and I was walking around the office saying things like, you know, if I can't get a hold of them, I'm gonna go get a hold of them. I was feeling real tough. And Deb, my constant encourager, looked at me this week and said, have you ever fought anyone in your life? Have Have you ever done anything like that? But in my mind, if I don't feel like I'm getting justice and I don't go to God in prayer for it, I'm tempted to take things into my own hands and I turn into Liam Neeson. Do you guys know who Liam Neeson is? And I wanna call someone on the phone and I wanna say I have a very specific set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. My skill's crying, right? It doesn't make me a nightmare for anyone. <laughs> I just support the tissue brands. But, but when I don't trust in God, the reality is often I try to handle things in my own way and let's just follow that, that you know, let's say I was Liam Neeson. <laughs> let's say I, I was tough and I, I wasn't just a big sissy that cries all the time. What's gonna happen if I try to go get my money back, get justice, what happens? Probably at best, I end up arrested. I end up in big trouble. The reality is when we take things into our own hands, when we try to do it our way, it always messes things up. It leads to broken relationships. It leads to more pain. The second thing I think can happen when we don't trust in God is that we end up giving up. There are people all over our community, all over our world, who were walking with Christ, who were believers in God, but they didn't believe and they didn't trust and they didn't faithfully go to God in prayer. And eventually, they walked away because they thought, I'm never gonna get what I need from God. The other alternative is giving up. And here's the thing. If we aren't faithfully going to God in prayer, if we aren't trusting in him fully, guess what happens? That's the only way we can miss justice. Not just, We don't miss justice, we just don't benefit from it because we don't deserve the good side of justice. When we turn away from God, when we try to handle things on our own, when we go do it our way, all of a sudden justice isn't in our favor because we're in the wrong. And so we are to trust fully in God. Craig Rochelle, in his new book, Winning the War in Your Mind, says this, Sinful thinking is not trusting the promises and power of God. Prayer is choosing to trust the promises and power of God. Prayer is deciding to turn to and surrender our feelings and control of our lives to God, trusting his promise and his power. You heard his promises. God will give justice. God does not need to be convinced. God does not need to be bothered into justice. It's who he is. It's what he does. He loves us. The only way we're going to lose out here is if we stop being faithful, stop trusting, and we trade our God, our just judge for whatever we can do. This passage comes on the heels of chapter 17. At the end of chapter 17, they're having a discussion. Jesus is discussing with the disciples and Pharisees about the second coming, that, that Jesus would come again one day and there would be a judgment. And they keep asking questions about, well, when is it going to happen? Where is it going to happen? And Jesus is telling them that they're not going to miss it because there will be a judgment and justice will be served. Look at the last verse. So we have the what of this text. We said that earlier, right? The what, the walk away, is that we should pray continually, we should pray faithfully, we should never give up. Now let's look at the why. The last verse of this parable says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Our God is just Our God loves us. Our God wants to give justice. The only way we miss it is if we don't trust and have faith in God. If we trade that in for our own solutions. And so, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pray continually, never give up. We are to stay faithful in prayer because this parable is not about whether God is going to be faithful or not. That's already established. We know God is faithful. This is not saying we need to pray so that God will be faithful. God is already faithful. It's done. It's who he is. The question has never been God's faithfulness. The question is, will we be found faithful? And so this parable... Is a call for persistent prayer, for persistent faith and trust in the God of justice, the God who loves every single one of us no matter where we are, what we've been through, the God who wants to take care of us. So, what is our proper response to this? It's pretty simple. We need to pray. When you have something happen in your life, when somebody hurts you, when you have brokenness, what do you do? You pray. Not because you need to convince God to take care of you, but because you know God is the God of justice. So the takeaway is this. I want you today, I want you in these next moments, the worship team's gonna come up and we're gonna sing a song. And in these moments, I want you to do what this parable teaches you to do, to pray. I want you to think about the things in your life. I want you to think about the things that you need to surrender fully to God, the God of justice. I want you to think about the areas of your life that you're tempted to do it your way and I want you to surrender those to God today. I want you to pray today but I want you to pray every day. Hey, there are journals down here on the altar. If you didn't get one last week and you want to grab one, I want to invite you to just come get one. You can come right now and get a journal. These are here so that you can continue to respond every day to what God is teaching you and how God is shaping you. So I want you to spend time in prayer right now. As we sing this song, I want you to offer everything. I want you to surrender everything I want you to trust in the God of justice. And then we're going to take communion together. If you don't have your communion, all right, you, nobody got up and got, got these things. That's fine. I'm going to give you another chance to get up. If you don't have your communion elements, get up. There are communion elements in the back. Go grab them because we are going to respond with communion. Go ahead. Get to it. So this is what I want us to do. As we... Here, as we respond, as we sing, as we pray, I want you to surrender completely to God. I want you to surrender the things in your life that tempt you to do it on your own. I want you to put your full trust and your full faith in God. And then I want you to, to take communion. As we're singing, you take communion on your time. Because here's the thing. God wants you. God wants to give you justice and life. Listen to Romans chapter five. This is so awesome. Verse six says, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Here's, we... We get justice, we are on the good side of justice because of what we celebrate in communion. Because at just the right time, when we were powerless, when we didn't have anything to stand on, when we were unworthy, Jesus died on a cross for our sins at just the right time. And so, as you take communion, as you pray, I want you to understand that Jesus has already done Everything that needs to be done to give you life and peace and justice. I want you to feel the love of Christ for you. It says in verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us so that we could be justified. Romans 6. Verse 13 says, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. So here's what I want you to do I want you to be in prayer. I want you to write. I want you to respond. I want you to pray and surrender everything to God. I want you to pray. I want you to know God's love. I want you to feel God's love and God's justice for you. And when you're ready, as we're singing, I want you to go ahead and take the bread and eat it and know that Christ died because he loves you and he wants to justify you and give you life. And then I want you to know that our response to that is to be faithful To continue to trust, to continue to pray, and to continue to live for what God lived for. Live for who God is. Live for the kingdom. Devote yourself completely to righteousness. Not because you need to trick God into anything, but because God loves you and God justifies you. Lord, I thank you for each person here as we sing the song, as we're in prayer, as each person takes communion when they're ready, Lord. I pray that you would just remind us that you're not like the unjust judge that doesn't care about justice and doesn't care about people, but you are a God that loves each and every one of us more than we'll ever know. And so, Lord, I pray that as we enter into this communion, this sacrament, I pray your grace would flow and we would know your love. And I pray as we take communion, we would commit ourselves to live for you every single day, to stay faithful, to pray every day, to worship you, to put all of our faith, all of our trust in you. Speak to us, Lord. Shape us, Lord. Make us who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.